Well, I guess that's a part of the sadness, isn't it, uh, about what is happening within the coronavirus situation, especially uh, the, the United States of America. I mean, the, the count, the last time I checked, the latest figures of United States confirmed cases, 337,797, uh, recovered with 17,668. And the total number of people that have died as a result uh, now at 9,670. And I think Wolf Blitzer of uh, CNN did tweet last night. He said, well, this time, a month ago, only 11 people had passed away. And I say le- only 11, not because death is nothing to certain people. We are just talking about the figure. 11 had passed on a month ago. And now you are knocking on 10,000 people. That have, you tell me anywhere in the world where something like this happens. But obviously, when you look at Spain, Spain sitting on 135,000 and then 13,055 deaths. Italy, 16,523 people have passed on. And as you are fully aware, though, by, by now that the break and the outbreak of the novel coronavirus, as well as the disease that it causes, which is COVID-19, continues as well to evolve at a very, very rapid pace in our country. And there's an ever-increasing case count. Now, there's only so much that can be done. People are constantly being told how to prepare. There's confusion over testing. Uh, Schools and businesses are, are being closed. You'll also be forgiven as well for having all sorts of emotions and questions that are swirling around your head. But have you for just one second, maybe just one second, stopped and asked yourself uh, what being diagnosed positive with the virus actually truly feels like? I'm sure you can't even begin to comprehend that particular thought. And it's also very important that we present right here on this platform those people that have tested positive uh, for coronavirus to share their stories, give their pearls of wisdom, their emotions share their knowledge with us so that we bring that reality to bear because I still see a lot of people not taking this seriously. And that's exactly what we're going to be doing tonight as well. Uh, We're going to be letting a sporting icon, Sarah Ferguson, uh, who recently tested positive for the virus to share her journey as well and everything else that she's going through at the moment with us. Uh, And just to make us understand and evolve into better human beings. Uh, so the South African endurance swimmer is on the line. Sarah Ferguson, thank you so much for your time. Good evening. Welcome to Marawa Sports Worldwide. Hello. Thank you for having me. Firstly, how are you? How I'm are you getting feeling? better, for sure. Um, it's now 22 days since my diagnosis. I'm still waiting for my retest results. Um, but yeah, my symptoms have been on and off for the last 21 days, really. <laughs> For 21 days. Yeah. Give me what made you feel. I know that you had a trip to England, uh, Sarah, and, and I did see your post. And once again, I've got to commend you for coming out uh, because it's within strength of people like yourself that we can draw the energies and have the ability to believe that we can fight and conquer uh, this uh, virus here. What made you get a sense that something might be up? So um, on the 15th of March, that evening, I came home and I had a sore throat. 
And I kind of just assumed it was, um, I had been training really hard for two weeks. After I'd done the most mileage in the pool since the, for the whole year. And so I kind of figured it was normal. And then um, the president said his speech and suggested that anyone who's been to a high-risk country in the last three weeks needs to step forward and put themselves forward for testing. So when I woke up the next morning, I still had a sore throat and my mouth was really, really dry, which was an unusual feeling. So I contacted my doctor and she sent me straight for testing and told me to stay at home until, until I got the results. So the dry throat more than anything, because a sore throat around about this time when there's a change of weather and you know when you've been flying in, 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 in different countries as well, it might kick in and after a while it clears off. But the fact yeah. that you have this really unnatural feeling of a dry throat kind of yeah, made you aware. Yeah. Mm. yeah, for sure. And then, and then my positive travel history. So, um, yeah, I just went straight to testing and it, it was a six-day wait from me, which wasn't fun. <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna get to that part though because um, it, it it seems quite strange. Around about the same time, and I and again I always try and reference to what what has happened with us as a group within the uh, the radio show as well, where we had somebody who had come in positive test on the tenth of March, and then we kind of had to self isolate uh, and so on. She tested positive, um, and the team and I went and tested. That came out negative. Uh, but we always take these precautions because you're always dealing and interacting with people. But for yeah, you for to sure. have waited, I mean, we did the test on Wednesday. By Thursday, the results were out. So you, your wait was almost, what, a whole week? Yeah, I think there were various reasons. So the clinic that I went to was actually, that day it had just been set up. So they were, like, running low on resources. They were just trying to find their feet. And then they still had mm. to send the test results to Johannesburg. And I think that delay, I think they were just inundated that day with people after the president's speech just being freaked out. So I think that was uh, the delay. Um, but that waiting period was was not much fun for me and neither for the people that I knew I, I had been in contact with. I mean, I didn't tell a lot of people while I was waiting because I didn't want to unnecessarily freak people out. But mm. um, the, the emotions and the thoughts that you go through in that time are fluctuate from being, I'm definitely not positive, this is just normal sore throat overtraining, to if I am positive, implications of the people that I've seen and, and contacted with and as a physio treated could be really big. And it was that sort of fear of what what would mean if I was positive. Were you able to play back when, how you could have been able to contract it? Um, I kind of assumed that it was from my trip to the UK, although you can never really tell because I came back um, my first symptoms were 13 days after returning from England, so right. that's quite late in the normal in the normal sphere of things. Um, so it could have been any time in between then as well. And, and I think that's what's so tricky is it's hard to actually tell when you contracted it and whether I was asymptomatic initially or not um, from when I first contracted it. It's, it's hard to tell. What what was the biggest fear that you had at the time? I know you've said that it's a, it, your worry was about the other people that you would have been in contact with, but then the result comes back and it is positive. What's your immediate thought, Sarah? Um, my immediate thought was, <laughs> oh dear, <laughs> I've got like a whole patient client base from the last two weeks that I've been in contact with, plus the conference mm. that I attended, plus the talk that I did the day before, um, and various scenarios. Um, being in contact with elderly people, being in contact with domestic workers who were, you know, going into the community, and, and the implications of that were, were really scary for me. Um, and, 
yeah, I think it was just the reality sort of, and living with um, an elderly couple, we have a, a couple that live on, on the property in the granny flat. Um, who we, I had, I mean, I'm in contact with fairly regularly in the week um, that they're doing building and renovations in our house. So there were all those things um, with the high-risk population groups that, that go through your mind and you kind of feel responsible. I felt very responsible. I felt a little bit guilty. Um, but at the same time, I knew that I couldn't really have done anything different. Um, as soon as I had symptoms, I isolated and listened to my doctor. And uh, unfortunately, the reality was there. I was positive and I was potentially had infected other people. Um, and then the process of then telling the right, telling the people and then going public with it um, was a decision that I didn't make lightly. But I just felt um, as an athlete and as a person who has some kind of voice to try and use that to try and calm people down and try and just ex- share my experience and just uh, kind of give some sense of normal normality if there's such a thing to this virus um, and a sense of hope and just listen, it can happen to anyone and this is the situation and the biggest thing to do is to take it seriously. And that was before the 21-day lockdown and I think me being tested positive and the reality and the implications of that really made me realize that I needed to try and use my voice to tell people that it was a very important thing that we listen and we isolate and we and we take the virus seriously because it is a, a very serious thing. I mean, I've seen Chris Cuomo of CNN do his uh, TV show from the basement of his house uh, because he's not able to be in contact, obviously, with the rest of the family. What, what, what's life like now, Sarah, for you and the people that you live with and how do you get on day to day? Yeah, so I, I mean, I've got very forgiving housemates um, and, and very understanding. And obviously, we all try to implement the self-isolation techniques as soon as I got my diagnosis. Um, so I stayed in my room most of the time. I would come outside with a mask. Um, and and we tried to, you know, do all the right things in that process of the two-week period. Um, but it's really difficult when you share a house, when you share a bathroom with people. Um, and you share a kitchen. So they did all the cooking um, in the first week and a half. Um, and now that it's been over two weeks, I kind of was like, I can't do this anymore. It's actually, if they get infected, we're all isolating anyway. Let's just, let's just, you know, cook together and do what we normally do. So it was that whole process of sort of trying to self-isolate and protect my housemates, but at the same time, like, kind of thinking, well, if they get it, it's actually a good thing because they've at least got it and they got time to, they can't go anywhere anyway because we all had to self-isolate because they'd been in contact with me. So mm-hmm. we've all been in lockdown for the last um, 20 days or so. Um, and it's been an interesting experience. <laughs> but they've sure. been amazing and um, really accommodating. And the NCID has been phenomenal in contacting. They literally phone my housemates every day to check in and see how they're doing and that they haven't got symptoms. And um, so they've, they've been doing a really good job, which is amazing considering how much work they've got with people being tested and such. Yeah. But were your housemates also able to test, though, sir? Yeah, they went testing uh, the Monday after my diagnosis and both came back negative, which was a good, okay. a good sign. I know you said at the top of the chat that uh, you were currently awaiting the second round of, of tests that you had. Talk me through that process. Oh, uh, yeah. So that was actually... It's actually worse than the first round. The first round, they just did a throat swab. Um, and then the second round, I ended up driving to Addington Hospital and sitting in my car. I felt like a bit of a drug deal was going on. Um, <laughs> so 
uh, you're driving through the streets, they're completely isolated, and there's a full-on police presence everywhere. It was really quite eerie, and the sea was wild. Um, I was just excited to get out and see the ocean again. Um, but yeah, I pulled up, and, and the, the, the police testing people were there in their car, and they made me stay in my car, um, and they then had their gloves and their, their mask and everything. Um, and then they did the test through my window um, in, in, while I was sitting in the front seat of my car. Um, but they did the nasal swab as well, which is really, really painful. Um, yeah. But they were very thorough and, and they were very kind and they, you know, they're doing their job. It's, it's not a fun experience to go through, but, um, and I wouldn't like to be them trying to inspect that pain on someone. But yeah, they, they were good and professional and now I'm just waiting for them to, to get back to me with my results, which should have been today, but I haven't. <laughs> there seems to be a, have been a mix-up, so I need to contact them again tomorrow and see what they say. A delay or a mix-up? Because that could be devastating. Yeah, I don't know. Um, when I spoke to the guy this morning, he was a bit confused, so I'm not really sure um, <laughs> what the situation is. Because I'm I mean, trusting okay. that I am negative. It's been three weeks. There's no way mm-hmm. I can still be positive, but I do still have symptoms. Um, but I have a theory that I've had Bulhazia before, and that kind of never leaves you. And I think the virus attacks your weak Links, which is why the vulnerable and, and pre-existing conditions, people with things like blood pressure, heart issues, diabetes, respiratory issues, are at higher risk because I think the virus attacks those weaknesses. And so my theory is that um, the last week I felt pretty tired and sort of a chronic little nasal thing going, and, and that's very similar to the symptoms I had when I had Bulhazia. So my theory is that the virus has unleashed the Bulhazia. I'm negative from corona, that's yet to be proven, but that's my theory, and that I'm now just dealing with the Bulhazia symptoms. Which, once you get the negative results, I can then treat Bulhazia, and then I should be, I should be good to go. But it's a theory; it's not a fact. It's just my own theory. <laughs> that makes sense, though, because you and Water are, are good friends, and obviously for the uh, the people that haven't really tracked you down or followed your career, I mean, you, you you've done some really amazing things out there. I mean, bravely overcoming that hazardous uh, uh, condition where you swam 63.5 kilometers uh, over a duration of 19 hours and 8 minutes, uh, which uh, mm-hmm. kind of finished ahead of the schedule because a lot of people expected uh, that to happen over a 24-hour period. But, yeah. uh, you know, all I'm saying is that you, you're, you're a fighter, Sarah. I mean, you, you're, you're a brave soldier. <laughs> yeah. You're somebody that yeah. has gone through treacherous conditions. So you would yeah. be able to make those diagnoses in the absence of there being a vaccine or anything else. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think I'd rather swim around another island three times than have to self-isolate because of this virus. But um, we all have to do our best, and and we will fight this together. And I think I think that's the thing: and just trying to stay positive and and not be scared of it. Um, it it is still unknown. There's a lot of unknown about it. But I think the biggest thing is people. A lot of people are really scared, and I I don't think that a lot of that fear is is going to help anyone. Um, there's nothing we can do. We just have to sit tight and wait for this lockdown and then see what happens after that but, um, and, try and, and try and use the time wisely and um, see it as a gift because whenever mm-hmm. does the world get to stop for three weeks, like completely, sure. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, we played the clip earlier of Donald Trump. He wants life to get back to normal, but then the death 
toll keeps rising in America, which is obviously quite bizarre. What, what have you made yeah. of South Africans and, and their behavioral patterns, though? Do you feel that they might not be taken as lightly because it doesn't show? Like if I look at Sarah and I, I watched your, 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 your IG post and I thought to myself, well, if anybody says that they're looking for a symptom, you're not going to find it by just looking at a person. So I think somehow yeah, that true. affects the behavior of people saying, but that one doesn't look sick. This one does, yeah. I don't look sick. And then let's life carry on as normal. And I think that's yeah, where the problem sure. lies. 100%. And I think that is it's a massive problem because it's, like, you can get asymptomatic people carrying the virus. And that's why so, um, it spreads so much. And I think, I think as a whole, I think our president has handled it incredibly well. Um, and I think he's done really well getting the lockdown so quickly. Um, and being really strict with the lockdown, I think, is very good. I don't know how good a lot of people are adhering to that, but mm. I think as a whole, um, people are taking it well and, and trying to do the right thing. I think there's always going to be people that try and um, jump the system and, and, you know, break the law. Um, that's just the nature of humanity. Um, but I guess time is only going to tell whether this has been effective. Um, obviously, we're not going to uh, doubt we'll rush back to normal after the three-week lockdown. I, I suspect it will be a transition period if it's not extended. Um, and I think I don't think life is going to be normal again. I think it's going to look different. Um, and I don't think that different is necessarily bad. Um, I just think it's, just, it's your perspective and how you choose to look at it. And yes, there's going to be huge economic impact on a lot of people and businesses that are, are going to struggle and are struggling, and myself included, but I think that as, as a nation together, we are fighters. South Africa's fighters, we've proven that over history. Um, and so I think that if we can try and use this as a positive and unite, we can really become stronger together after this. And I think that's the biggest thing we're trying to portray. If you look at the Akuliti and his ministers and the president, just trying to unite people through this virus, I think that's the biggest, most powerful key we have. That's amazing. I mean, you mentioned Sia, and already I have images of people jumping up and down, bars being filled, handshakes, high fives, hugging, you know, people really getting a grip of themselves. And that was just a couple of months ago, Sarah. And now when you you see an image of somebody shaking hands with another one, you think, oh my God, no, please don't, you know. So all of these things (laughs) kind of look surreal (laughs) now, don't they? It is so surreal. I mean, I think for a long time, people are going to be scared to touch and hug and handshake. And um, it's going to look very different um, going forward. Um, but it is it's really weird to think like not so long ago, like a month ago, people were, you know, living normally. Mm. Let's say things are back to normal. What, what's the next thing you're going to be tackling? What's the next big item on Sarah's diary? Um, I'm using this time to try and reflect on the last 18 months, which has been a bit of a whirlwind for me. Um, I am looking into other options, but I think it's, it's for now because I don't know what the, what the world is going to look like, um, you know, in terms of travel and opportunity and even sponsorships. I was about to look at closing some deals. And I, I mean, I don't know if that's going to even be a viable option economically anymore. So um, for me, it's just kind of consolidating and just regrouping and getting ready to tackle whatever it is that is next. Um, there are a couple of films that I'd love to still do and, and I'd like to build up towards, but uh, I was supposed to swim around Mauritius. In fact, I was supposed to be swimming and now. It was supposed to start on Friday. Uh, it was an, a week-long, 10-day swim around the island with the school. So that's still on the card, hopefully, for the end of the year. Um, but yeah, I'm just kind of biding the time and, and just trying to use it to give my body a bit of uh, a break and, and mentally as well, just be restored so that I'm ready for whatever is next.
Sure. Well, for those who are saying, what on earth is she talking about? Well, you're talking about someone here who's tackled the country's most challenging open water swims ever. And when you think of the likes of the Robin Island Freedom Swim, the Mshanga to uh, Durban Endurance Race, also 2017, uh, becoming the first African woman to conquer the mighty 42-kilometer Kaiwi passage i think that is what it's called as the as the valley of bones in the hawaiian uh, islands as well so th- th- there's so much that you have wrapped <laughs> under your your arm and uh, wrapped just in terms of the achievements uh, sarah right throughout your career that we can only salute you for your bravery we salute you for being so Thank open you. and i know that it, it it was a bit of a difficult decision but i think when you made it and you came forward it was as clear as daylight that you wanted to help every single person not only in south africa but around the world who follow you and who are exposed to this virus yeah yeah for sure i think for me i've been influenced positively by a lot of um sporting icons and if i can be that voice to someone else it's a huge privilege for me and I, i don't take that lightly and i think it's again my message is to try and live deeply and tread lightly and that's basically looks like following your passion, living your dream and chasing that with everything you have, but looking at the impact of your daily choices and how that impacts our environment. And I think this virus is a a perfect opportunity for the world to stop and reassess and think, how are we living? Like, what are we doing to our planet? Look at the plastic pollution, look at the climate change. I mean, for the first time since World War II, the, the carbon dioxide emissions are the lowest ever, which is amazing because of the, the lack of flight. So I think it's just, it's just, there are positives with this virus, um, as devastating as it is. Um, I just, as, as my nature, tends to look for the positives because it's the way I, I get through things. Um, and so if I can be that positive voice to someone else, it's, it's, yeah, it's helpful for, for me um, and hopefully for other people as well. All right. Uh, let's get that handle so that we can follow you um, on Insta. I know that there's... A lot of very famous Sarah Ferguson's out there, uh, but yours has got the, the good old Z Day at the end, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, Sarah Ferguson Z Day. All right, fantastic, Sarah. We've got to keep a, a track on your progress, and I, I hope that things do improve on your side. Uh, we'll give you a call, and we'll give our listeners right across South Africa a call when you are fine and you're back to normal, and let us chat about it. Let's chat about your experience. But thank you so thank much for giving us your time. Brother. Thank you so much for the opportunity. All right, that's Sarah Ferguson, ZA, on Instagram, if you want to follow her or just to track her progress and what she had to say. I really thought awe-inspiring, if you want to say the least. Uh, One of the brave soldiers in our country, and we we do take our hats off to, to her for that.